huye. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. What a wacky regional weekend it was. And guess what? It's not over as the majority of the regionals will be wrapping up today. Weather wrecking havoc. Teams upsetting the apple cart, so to speak. Big boys contenders flaming out in glorious fashion. We'll get to it all for you on this edition of RP3 and Company. Good morning. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Iserloke. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. How's it going? We talked about it at length that we thought that this was going to be an absolute bananas NCAA regional weekend. And for me, it lived up to the hype. Oh yeah. That was fantastic. Absolutely. Across the board. No. And and, I mean, we'll get into some of it as the week goes on. Cause again, not all of it's even finalized yet, but um, (laughs) no, not all of it's not. You're correct. Not all of it is. Finalized yet? I, I think I took back a little bit because I look. I I didn't. I did not per- put my best performance on when I was talking about the NCAA basketball tournament because um, I was wrong about most things I said. But um, I, I gained a little bit of that back. I got a few things right. I told you a couple of things that might happen, and, and a few of them did. Um, but no, it was it was across the board. A lot of teams that showed up to play, and um, again, yeah, some of them we saw coming. Some of them, some of them we didn't, and you know. W- w- <laughs> We had what did we what did, we actually were told the weather in Baton Rouge was going to be good. Um, that might be the worst take we had all last week on the show because uh, Miami. It was lightning. Uh, the day one was lightning, right? And some rain. Yesterday was severe wind, lightning, and rain. Yeah, uh, Miami. Like for all the talks of the Coral Gables, that's where we focused all our weather. And I mean, they had a couple delays here and there, but for the most part, they were fine. For the most part, it was fine. It yes. was Baton Rouge, which we were like, wow. And and I mean, we had actually people say, yeah, no, the weather's supposed to be not even a factor. That's that's new. That's nice. And uh, that wasn't the case. It was not the case. Louisiana Raging Cajuns had a great effort. They were able to stave off elimination. They had a very good first game. We talked about how we anticipated it being a defensive game and how good the defense was in that first game. But Texas, they got some guys that are very, very nifty with the glove work. And they lose the opener, their opener, the 2-3 matchup. They have to turn around. They outlast, outslug Maine to advance and they had a chance I mean Matt Deggs' team had a chance yesterday 
and it looked like they were going to possibly take out the host, the Miami Hurricanes, but they were unable to do so, fell just short. Got to like the effort. They just played a couple of teams that were just better than yeah, no, I, I thought the uh, the first game against Texas was about as well as you could play at a loss, um, and and it, and that's tough to swallow. And and you know, again, that's that's what it comes down to sometimes is saying how good is one team playing versus how good is their opponent playing, and how much can you control about it. I mean, John Taylor hit a three run home run that got robbed and brought back. I mean that, and it, and it's not even one of those. Well, you know, it would have been off the wall. We'll see. No, like it was gone, and he went and brought it back, and then. Rockford hits a double down the line that's a double uh, probably 99.5% of the time, and the guy made one of the best plays I've seen in a long time. So those two plays, you lose the game by two runs, and John Taylor had three taken off the board. So it's just, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't think this team was ever good enough to overcome the opposition's best day when the opposition was already more talented in the first place. Correct. So that's what happens there, and then, you know, yeah, they, they beat up on Maine, and, you know, it got a little bit closer maybe than it should have late, but it didn't really matter. You didn't have to use any of – I don't think any of that affected how you played on Sunday. And then, yeah, Miami just had a couple more big-time hits. Now the ball started carrying out, and they got a couple in the jet stream, and the Cajuns hit a couple of line drives that didn't carry because they weren't hit high enough. Um, so a couple of different things there, I thought. They battled at the end, gave themselves a chance. I thought it was a terrible strike three call. I mean, you know, who knows if that would impact anything, but I thought it was up and in. Um, but with all that being said, you kind of, I mean, I think this team pretty close to maxed out their potential, right? I mean, they, yes. they could have found a way to win this regional. And look, in the right circumstances, they would have. Um, but overall, I think they, uh, they they did a lot that, you know, again, a month and a half ago, a lot of, a lot of people buried this team and they, they didn't give in. Didn't give in. Made a, a bit of a run. They lose 8-5 yesterday to wrap up their season. Got to 40 wins, right? Got to an NCAA regional as an at-large. Won a game at an NCAA regional. So definitely a great foundation season. Just continue building for Matt Deggs' team. The LSU Tigers, meanwhile, they had no problems really with Tulane back on Friday. The decision that was highly criticized by a lot of folks by Jay Johnson to pitch Paul Skeens, well, that looks like it was probably the right decision. Now, Jay Johnson doesn't have a crystal ball and knew that whether lightning would throw everything off at the Baton Rouge Regional, but Skeens goes out there and pitches a complete game. Never done that before. You thought, well, they're going to restrict him because it's against Tulane. No. He gave up the two-run jack. That was really the only blemish he had in that ball game. He was phenomenal on the bump. They got enough hits. And Skeens going full-blown complete game means Jay Johnson had everyone at his disposal for the rest of the weekend. Oh, and guess what? They got Saturday off because of the weather. And they win yesterday in a game that was an absolute dogfight. Back and forth. They kept loading the bases and weren't bringing anybody in. Which was just like, they loaded the bases in the first and the second. And they kept getting guys on. Couldn't get them across. Just couldn't do it. So what do they do? They just depend on the home run ball. That's how they won the game. 
home run ball. That lineup came up. You had the stoppage in play, so they couldn't take Ty back out there. And Thatcher Hurd came in, and he had some bad moments, like giving up home run balls to Oregon State. But he ate up a bunch of innings for you. And they edge Oregon State 6-5. to five, And now LSU finds itself in the driver's seat, Dawson, because not only did they get the day off of rest the day before, <coughs> Skeens ensured that they didn't have to use any arms for the first two days. They edge out Oregon State yesterday. The Beavers have to play, had to play an elimination game last night, which they won against Sam Houston State late at the box. And what you got going on over there, bud? Yeah, there's, a lot, there's, there's some noise going on. What's going on? Hey, that, that's my bad. I left the mic on there. Just got some headphones in some places it shouldn't be. But, um, yeah, no, go. all things considered, yeah, they're obviously in the driver's seat. Now, the funny thing is, like, the, the conversation <coughs> we've had for the last three or four months was about, was about the day that today will be, the day where Floyd is done and Skeens is done and Hurt is done. Now, Ty Floyd, I don't know. Maybe you could bring him back if you wanted to. Maybe in relief in game two if you needed it, if, yeah. if you have to play um, that 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 winner-take-all game. But the big issue would have been if you lost yesterday's game, which you, you very easily could have. Uh, there oh. was a couple of plays that went one way or the other. Now, if you'd have lost that, then they'd have been looking uphill today. I don't know how it would have felt, right? Uh, Oregon State, you know, they're, they're not super deep in the pitching staff either. No. So they should be running towards the, the, the back end here. But again, there's this also this weird thing where everybody got an off day on Saturday, so you know teams are in a little bit different position than they would have been otherwise. So, I, th- I still think th- the big advantage LSU has is you have two to win one, and I think Correct. offensively you figure you're gonna score a bunch of runs at least in one of those two games because you just don't, you know, the Beavers again they just don't have that many arms left um, that we know of. So now, like like in all of these situations, if you get an unexpected hero and somebody for Oregon State that we aren't talking about goes out and gives you eight innings of shutout ball or something, then maybe you change the script here a little bit. But I think the idea that LSU has two games to just break out in one of them, I think they're in pretty good shape. They put some in the driver's seat. Not It's not impossible for Oregon State to win. And LSU knows that, but they'll get back to action this afternoon. One o'clock will be the first game today there at the Baton Rouge Regional. If LSU wins that game, pregame begins at 1230, they'll win the Regional. And then they'll move on to the Supers. If they lose, they'll play again roughly around 5 o'clock for a winner-take-all game. Overall for the weekend, the SEC had some teams that rose up and they had some teams that didn't. And Dawson and I kind of broke this down for you last week. Auburn was quickly eliminated from its own regional, proving why it shouldn't have probably hosted. Vanderbilt was a big stunner. They're eliminated from their regional. National seed Vanderbilt eliminated from their regional. They're gone. South Carolina, who Dawson and I both thought was, hey, the way they played down the stretch, they didn't look very well. Well, they just went out there and decided to absolutely blitzkrieg everyone they faced. They scored like 40 runs in their own regional. South Carolina wins. They advance to the Supers, the Gamecocks. Tennessee. Remember Tennessee last year? Number one overall team. Never want to be the number one overall team. They were the regular season and tournament champions for the SEC. Then they get upset 
Well, we talked about how when a team has that happen to it, the next year is usually a year to keep an eye on because we've seen it happen over and over again. We had LSU legend Todd Walker on the show to discuss that, and he mentioned Tennessee as one of his teams. Yeah, they 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 won their super. <laughs> Got to the super. Got to the super. Punched their ticket. Thank you, corrector. Punched their ticket to get there. Clemson was not up to the task. Florida beat Texas Tech yesterday and faces them again today at 11 o'clock for the Super Regional berth. So Florida is in a dogfight. They have to go to Monday. Not because of weather, but because they had to go through the hard way. Kentucky, West Virginia did not rise to the occasion, what we hoped they would. Kentucky beat Indiana. They'll have to face them again today, 5 p.m. Super regional bid online for the Wildcats. Now, remember, the winner of that one gets paired up with the winner of the Baton Rouge Regional in the Supers. Arkansas gets to take on TCU and gets to take on a guy who had, I do believe, 11 RBIs in a single game. Yeah. Arkansas had to scramble to beat Santa Clara yesterday. They Arkansas, the number three national seed, you and I talked about this last week, Dawson, as a regional to kind of keep an eye on because we thought the Razorbacks were in a tough regional. They have to beat TCU twice today. And TCU hasn't really broken a sweat in this regional yet. No. So they've got fresh arms, and it's going to be an uphill task, uh, but... You know, Fayetteville has uh, been known to have some weird things happen, so that's true. certainly not out of it. That's true. Now, Texas A&M lost yesterday, but they play Stanford at 8 o'clock tonight. Super Regionals on the line. The interesting thing about that is because Texas won the Coral Gables Regional, yes, Miami lost as a regional host for the second straight year, and the Longhorns, who we told you last week, to, could do what? Who we like to win that regional? Dawson was? That would be the Texas Longhorns. There we go. The committee will have to make a decision. Because A&M's the two seed. Texas was the two seed in their regional. If Texas A&M somehow beats Stanford today, the committee will be the one to decide who hosts the Super Regionals. Well, that's salty, isn't it? That's spicy. Texas and Texas A&M possibly in the Supers. And the committee will decide who gets to host? I say because the Astros are out of town, just play it at Minute Maid. I heard that as well. Played at Arlington. That was discussed on the uh, broadcast. It's it's an interesting thought. I don't I don't know if logistically. I don't I don't I don't think in, they'll do that. Four no. Days now, no, but no, no, they won't do that. In a perfect world, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. It does. So plenty of games to keep an eye on. You were right about Stillwater, Oklahoma State, absolutely flamed out at its own regional. Yeah, and I, I say you say flamed out, but I, I mean I will quickly say I called that the deepest regional, and I called it pure chaos, and I think that's probably my biggest victory lap of the day. But Oral Roberts is that good. I mean they really are. They went down eight nothing to Washington in the one and zero game yesterday, or uh, what is that? I get you know the days run together now with how many games have been played. Uh, but on Saturday they fell down eight nothing and then won that game. Um, so that that was just. That team's good, and like that, we talk about that. Not a, not a four seed um, by the you know expected metric of being a four seed, and Oral Roberts swept through it. They didn't even need the if necessary game. They took care 
Um, not only, and then you talk about a, a regional also that just had the it, it had the type of offense that we discussed at times, but also Oral could throw the ball. I mean, they pitched well in in, in certain games, especially in the first one against Oklahoma State. So that was uh, that was fun. Stillwater it lived up to the hype as far as entertainment value. Pennsylvania Southern Miss is on tap today in the Auburn Regional. That could be interesting, right? And that's another scenario, if I'm correct, where if Southern Miss wins, the committee will have to decide who hosts the Supers because of the regional they're paired up with. Because it was an upset in the other regional as well. So Southern Miss was, I don't have it in front of me, but um, yeah, that sounds right. There's a couple. And you've got the other situation with, how about this? Uh, we, we mentioned Indiana State. Uh, or we mentioned, rather, TCU with a chance to close it out against Arkansas. If TCU wins that, then Indiana State, the Sycamores, would host a Super Regional because they took care of business. Yes. Sycamores absolutely took care of business. Got some great matchups today. Coastal Carolina versus Duke. Coastal was tested in its regional. So a great weekend of regional action. We'll come to a close today. Once again, LSU, Oregon State. Pre-game begins at 12.30. First pitch at 1 o'clock. If a winner-take-all game is needed, that will be back on roughly around 5 o'clock. And, of course, we'll have that for you as well. Just to wrap up that thought, yes. If Southern Miss won them in Tennessee, there would be a decision to be made there. And I've... Uh, the D1 baseball guys were speculating that Southern Miss, since they were so close to hosting originally, would be likely the Because they were there, ranked but, higher than Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, but when you have an SEC team in there, you always wonder how that's going to go, about who's going to get favorable treatment. We'll see. I hope I hope we get to see the, uh, the result of that. Although that Penn team, exciting. Now, they melted down last night late. Uh, that was a very close game that I watched most of. Southern Miss scored eight runs, I think, in the ninth inning. Yeah. Put it away. So, Golden Eagles have the momentum here headed into the winner-take-all game. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk more NCAA regional. So much to get to. We'll also take your phone calls. We'll unveil the poll question of the day. That's all next, right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NCAA Regional Weekend. All right, this is where we stand at to give you a recap. And we're going to hear from LSU and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Post-game audio from both of those teams from what happened yesterday. But this is where we stand now. We have championship round games for the regionals today. We already have teams that have punched their tickets to the Supers. We will have Wake Forest versus Alabama. Both of those teams won their regionals. Bama nearly lost to Nichols and Troy, yet found a way to win the regional. They they were shaky all weekend, but they found a way. And they advanced to the Supers, and what a story that is from where they were just two months ago to getting now to the Super Regionals. So 
Wake Forest looked every part of a national title contender. They just went right through their own regional fairly easily. So that's one of the super regional matchups. That's 116. Wake Forest, Alabama. That's already set. Texas, as we know, won the Coral Gables Regional, took down the host and the national seed Miami to advance. Longhorns have not one but two pitchers. They got some mean bats. And by the way, that defense is absolutely filthy. Just ridiculous how good they are. They will face the winner of today's Stanford-Texas A&M game. That's the Stanford Regional Championship. Both teams have one loss, so they're only going to play once today. If the Cardinal win, they will host the Supers against Texas. If Texas A&M wins, then the committee will have to decide the old rivals, Aggies and Longhorns, who will host for the Supers. That would be a very, very spicy Super Regional. LSU, Oregon State. LSU wins today. At 1 o'clock, it's over. They win the regional, they punch their ticket to the Supers, and they will host. Oregon State has to beat them not once but twice today. They are paired up with the Lexington Regional. That goes to a winner-take-all game today as well. Wildcats versus the Hoosiers of Indiana. Winner wins the regional. We already documented that Auburn was quickly eliminated from its own regional. Well, it just looks so terrible that they were ranked as high as they were. Pennsylvania. Penn versus Southern Miss. Winner take all for the regional championship today. If either one of those, if Southern Miss wins, well, it doesn't matter. They'll have to decide who hosts. Now, if Pennsylvania wins, more than likely Tennessee would host. That's how that would work. But it would still come down to the committee having to decide. Because Tennessee won the Clemson Regional. So the committee would have to decide who hosts the Supers. But Tennessee has already punched their ticket through. Clemson had a great season, but they just weren't ready for hosting a regional. They they were just off. You could just tell. They just didn't play their best baseball this weekend. They had a controversy there uh, in the Tennessee game, which uh, now's not the time. Um, it was it was strange, and it was not. Uh, I wasn't a fan of it at all. But they lost their best player for the well, one of their best players for the end of that game, and then he was suspended for the uh, elimination game that they ended up dropping to Charlotte. But Tennessee did look, uh, which we we talked about that as well. Felt like that was an opportunity for them, and and they took uh, they took the opportunity. But we can get into more of that later. It, I was really hoping to go an hour without talking about officiating. Kevin Foote, thank you. <laughs> but go ahead. You brought it up now. You teased it, but might as well go ahead and bring it up now. No, well, so uh, essentially what happened there, that was a battle, by the way. I mean, the, the winner's bracket game between Tennessee and Clemson went, I think, 14 innings or something Correct. like that. And essentially there was a play in the late goings there. Um, and Clemson, I think Campanella's guy's name, um, where he was running off the field from center field, and he kind of was jawing back and forth with the Tennessee player, and both teams had been warned, so that that is in play here. Um, but, I mean, they weren't ever even close to each other. They weren't heading in each other's directions. They were sharing words. Umpires got together, actually huddled up, and decided to throw him out. Um, and I, 
you know, look, I, I think in these types of moments, we've talked about that a lot, trying to trying to take that out of it and taking guys out of the game unnecessarily. I don't know. Now, may, maybe something was said. But the counter argument would be this. And as someone who has a child, my counter argument to you is this. If you're warned not to do something and you go ahead and do it, there's consequences for your actions. Yeah. So, certainly, so. Certainly. That 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 that's my pushback to you is, they were warned. Oh, they were. They they were. They, they were warned, and you chose not to heed the warning. And you have to pay the consequences. Like I, I just I, I understand you don't want to take some of the best players out of those matchups. I understand that from a, a pure fan perspective. I get all that, but there's rules in place for a reason, Dawson. No, I, I get that, but also that's the rules. It's not black and white. It's still umpire's discretion to because guys talk throughout the game all the time. Um, I think, I think in, if you're an umpire in that situation, and look, I heard Kyle Peterson talk about this. He was on the call for that, and I think he, you know, they mentioned they they teased on squeeze play that that Kyle was given some more context afterwards, and he said uh, he understood why the call was made, but he still wouldn't have made the call. He still doesn't think the guy. Now the other thing about it is the way the NCAA rules are set up is he was suspended for the next game, no matter Correct. what. And I think that's another situation where it's like, we've got a lot on the line here to be ejecting somebody in the 13th inning of the biggest game of their lives, so to speak. And, um, you know, I, I just wasn't a fan of it. But Clemson, you got to find a way to get over that. And they didn't. Um, and then they lost to Charlotte the next day. Um, kind of had that carryover effect, right? You play a super late game on the, into mm-hmm. the night on Saturday night. You lose a heartbreaker. you got to wake up quick, pretty early and play on Sunday morning. And Charlotte came out with a little bit more juice, beat them by one run, and all of a sudden it's over that quickly for Clemson. And look, I didn't love it either. So let me be clear here. But they were warned. Like, that, they were warned. And the young man opted not to heed the warning. Now, we can talk about because he's a young man and he got caught up in his emotions and all that's true. But you have to, there's rules in place for reasons. There's consequences towards your, for your actions. And if I'm any coach out there and I saw what happened, I'm putting that on tape, I'm showing the end result, and I'm teaching every one of my kids, hey, and this is just not a Clemson thing. This is across the board. Hey, when two teams get warned for jawing and talking trash at each other and the umpires say, stop it, and you don't, this is what can happen. This is what can happen. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit old school on that. I didn't want to see it happen. As a fan, you don't want to see the best players taken out of a game, but this wasn't a situation where they weren't warned. And you kept jawing. Just saying. Rest of the slate, we talked about it. Gainesville, regional, Florida, Texas Tech. Winner take all game today. The winner moves on to play South Carolina, who easily won their regional. Bit of a stunner there. Coastal Carolina, Duke, winner take all. Both of them have one loss. The winner of the Conway Regional today will move on to take on Virginia. We haven't talked enough about Virginia, but, man, they look they look good. Cavaliers look good. They won their regional fairly easily. Nashville Regional was won by Oregon. That's right, the Ducks. And they're going to be taking on Oral Roberts, who was the surprise team to win the Stillwater Regional. The committee will have to decide who 
host that Super Regional because you're talking about the lower, lower seeds winning their two regionals, correct? Yeah, but Oral's, Oral was the Oral Roberts was the four seed, so I think you're going to go Oregon there. Just like I think Penn, Tennessee would definitely be Tennessee. Um, it's all, it's only a committee decision if they're both the same seed. seed well, line. I guess technically, I, I guess technically it's a committee decision regardless. But I think assuming the team has facilities that aren't in question or anything like that, I think the higher seed's going to get the benefit okay. in those situations. A ton of upsets. I mean, for sure. Uh, Terre Haute, who we thought would get uh, Indiana State, who we thought would get tested. They win their regional. They're all into the Supers. The Sycamores are. Shout out to them. And then they will face the winner of today's TCU-Arkansas game. Once again, Arkansas, if they're going to win their own regional against those hot bats of TCU, they're going to have to beat them twice if they're going to move on to the Supers. So that's where we stand there. When we come back, We'll hear from Matt Deggs and his team. We'll hear from Jay Johnson and his team. That's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's just a hard team to let go of. Uh, their family, and they've changed my life and my family over the last two years, and they've changed the trajectory of this program. And, uh, you know, I came into today with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness, and that's the way I'm going to leave. Because I can tell you this, they didn't hold anything back. They never flinched. They never backed up. They just kept coming, kept moving forward. And uh, we just weren't able to finish it. Matt Deggs, Louisiana Raging Cajun skipper, talking about how this team is going to be hard for him to let go of. Look, this two years... I, I can't say this enough. Phenomenal. The program had been down a little bit, even under the late, great Tony Robichaux. It was. It had dipped a little bit. But that's how programs go. You have peaks, you have valleys. And Deggs takes over during an emotional time where everyone is still mourning the passing of Tony. And then COVID happens and kills the season. So, not only does he take over for the man who saved his career, but more importantly, saved his life, he then has to deal with the pandemic. And then, really, his first full season was really the transition season. Still trying to get to know the guys, trying to get his guys right, to buy into what he wants to do. Yeah, that's what I was going to throw in there. I think he he inherited somewhat of a divided locker room as well. Uh, as much as Tony and, and, and Matt Deggs have some similarities, they're not exactly the same guys. <coughs> and I think some of the guys that were inherited from Tony's teams didn't necessarily see eye to eye with Coach Deggs. And I they think did not. He said that on the record, right? And um, that takes some time for that culture change to set in. It's just it's not as simple as coming in and going, hey, guys, it, this is how it's done now. That That took time. And Guys like DeBarge and Rockefeller and Heath Hood emerged as those leaders that were on board with things, and um, that's, that's, I think, led to a lot of the success in the past couple seasons. And it hasn't been easy, right? They haven't had perfect seasons, 
They had to battle last year to win the conference tournament to get into an NCAA regional for the first time in a long time. This year, expectations were immensely high, even with Southern Miss coming into the league. Yet, they had peaks and valleys for the season. They found a way at the end. They make a run to the conference tournament championship. They fall short, but they're held in in enough high regard that the committee is like, you're an at-large. And then they go to a regional again, this time as an at-large from the Sunbelt Conference. That's a huge accomplishment, by the way. Huge. That they were able to get in. And they won a game at a regional. And you feel like these two years are going to be the big foundation years now for Degs to truly build the program on and what they can continue to do for years to come. And look, we talked about it. The Raging Cajuns did not play bad baseball over the weekend. They actually, in fact, played good baseball. They just played better teams, and Deggs talked about how good his team played. We played good baseball. We were one of the leaders in the country in filling percentage. Our pitchers threw the ball great today. And uh, we have an explosive offense that I promise you nobody wants to face, and you can take a straw poll on that. Uh, there's probably some people happy we're out of this tournament, not us. I really thought this team could find a way to get there. And uh, the best thing I can say about this group is if you said, hey, would you like to start over tomorrow, starting with fall ball? Uh, I guarantee you 30 dudes and, and five coaches would all say, yeah, let's start. He's not wrong. And he has a team, we've talked about this before, Dawson, that last year, towards the end of last year, when they started making that run, even before they started winning the games, it was about the halfway point of the season last year. I've said this. It started to feel like Matt Deggs' team. Finally. I was like, oh, this is Matt Deggs' team. This is not Matt Deggs coaching Tony's team anymore. This is Matt Deggs' team. And this season was the same way. You never – it's just, this is Deggs' team. This is, these are his guys. Yeah, and, and I think that's the that's the point too that I made about the the somewhat divided locker room. And you haven't heard that the past two years. You've heard about no. guys who love each other, and you know there were some comments post game too about uh, these guys love each other more than they love the game, right? And 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 it's it's just been a, a togetherness thing. You don't make runs in that Sun Belt tournament like they did last year without being like that, and you don't make the run that they made in the last month of the regular season no. when things were lost again. Like we sat here and, and, and you know, you and I and Foot and I both sat here going for that one week when and Deggs kind of sounded, I don't know if he sounded defeated, but he sounded perplexed about the pitching staff and was like, we're going to throw everybody in every game no matter what we have to do to win games. And we sat here and said, man, you got this many series left against these top opponents. I don't know what's left in the tank here. And they pull off a run that, you know, we, we didn't see coming. And they, they win enough games to get into the regionals anyway. And so that's Correct. also too – it would have felt, you know, it's impossible not to. If they wouldn't have made regionals this year, it would have felt like a minor step back, right, after what you did last That's year. fair, yeah. So they just keep that momentum. They they're, they are where they were. Again, hey, one and two in regionals isn't the goal moving forward, but to be back where they were, and again, like, you can't live in the results. They played well enough to win more than one game in that regional. They, they just did. played really good teams. That right now, like, Texas is, <laughs> is about as dangerous a two-seed in any regional in the country, and not a great super regional matchup too either with the with the two aces they have. That's Ooh. the other thing too. When John Taylor hits a you know potential three run homer that gets robbed, like that was off you know first team All American too. Like let's not act like they put together some at bats that could have beaten Lucas Gordon and and he's that good. So it was a great effort and they just came up a little short. They came up a little short. 
but you the feeling that you have and look they're going to have to replace a lot of guys and they're going to have to get some more pitching right we we know that you you're seeing that you saw that in the Coral Gables Regional the team that had the best pitching guess what one so they know that and they're going to have to replace a lot of guys but Matt Deggs afterwards felt confident that his team will be back there's not another group I go to battle with I can promise you that I'm blessed to work at an amazing, amazing place with the best fans in America. I mean, how many fans, how many schools can say that their fans travel all the way to the East Coast like, like we did? And they just don't stop. People like that don't stop. And this university certainly doesn't. We'll be back. We'll be back. I am absolutely fascinated to see what this team looks like and what he can do for next season. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, we'll hear from Jay Johnson and company who got the win last night. That's up next right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, my message was the exact opposite, that we can win this game winning tonight, or excuse me, we can win the tournament winning tonight, and if we don't win tonight, we can still win the tournament, and uh, I believe that, and so that was my message in the rain delay, and so go play, because, you know, the success of tonight's not final, and if there was failure in terms of the result, it wasn't going to be fatal either, Um, so I actually looked at it the opposite way. That's LSU skipper Jay Johnson answering a question about them getting a win over Oregon State in a game that was delayed. Once again, it was supposed to be played Saturday, but weather in Baton Rouge, Lightning in particular, delayed the game until Sunday. And then once it got started, it had to stop because of wind and rain and some more lightning. Well, they made a big decision is once they resume – they went with Thatcher Hurd, and Jay Johnson was asked about his decision to ride with the young man who, let's be honest, has had an up-and-down season for sure. He was good yesterday, but he was asked, why did he decide to go with Thatcher? Yeah, you know, the rain delay threw a little bit of a wrench in it, and it really condenses the schedule of this thing. So you have to be... We're always deliberate, but you have to be really deliberate in how you're going to use guys. And once we pushed in with Thatcher, not only did we need an outs, we needed length. And I just didn't think they were picking him up. That was a great swing by Turley, obviously. The rest of them, he just kind of scattered the hits, you know, even the first homer, you know. Um, so I just I liked how he was executing, and for me it just made more sense to stay with him. Thatcher pitched well. He, he Look, he scattered some hits. He put himself in some bad spots. But he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I, I thought, you know, 
he got he was given back the lead and then he he let the game get tied on him. And I was like, uh, you start getting a little nervous there, but he got out, right? So he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Thatcher did. He gave them innings. They ate up innings. Oh, and they got the win, which is key for this team, as we talked about for the longest time. Dawson and I have talked about it for months. They don't need these guys to be Paul Skeens. They just need them to be mediocre. And if you can get them to be mediocre and above mediocre, guess what they can do? They can win a lot of games that way. And that's the whole idea, right, is now you just need now. You, here's the thing with LSU. You still need a performance today from somebody who hasn't been great all year. Well, don't because, let Christian Little get on the field. Well, I mean, and, and I don't <laughs> think they're going to go with Little, but huh. you still need a performance today. But now you've got two chances to do it, and now essentially maybe even four chances if you think about, like, starting a guy. If it doesn't work out, you're right. not going to be out of the game. Um, yeah, and, and you do have the opportunity potentially to bring Floyd back. We'll see. I don't know how, you know, we haven't really seen a situation like this where, um, you know, we knew how Matt Deggs felt about something like that. We knew he'd bring a guy back, most likely. I don't know quite how Jay Johnson would handle that. Um, so we'll have a chance to see that potentially today, like when he announces a starter, which he's not going to announce until before the game, just like it's been all weekend. But um, now you, you don't need heroics. You, you just need solid. You just pitching. need to grind and, it out. Um, and if you find a way to win in the first game, I think that we talked about that so much when these winner take all the games get forced, the pressure switches, you know, from a team. If you if Oregon State wins the first game, the, you know, the first game in theory, LSU could play pretty loose and free. But if they do win it, it starts to flip the pressure a little bit back on the on the team that, that was in that 2-0 and spot in the first place. So you want to try to get it done early if you can. Um, and so in, in that way, I think, it's always a discussion, too, about saving guys. I think I think Jay Johnson goes with the best guy he's got left in the first game here and sees what happens. Now, if you if you fall behind by this or that, then maybe at that point you start making decisions with the idea of the second game. Correct. Um, but that's to decide at that point. I think going into it, you pitch your best guy and say, let's try and win the first let's game. Let's try to win the first game. You always have, that, have to have the mindset, let's try to win the first game. Poll question of the day. Will LSU win the Baton Rouge Regional today? Once again, game one against Oregon State will be at 1 o'clock. If they need a winner-take-all game, that will be around 5 o'clock. 88% of you say yes, 12% say no. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number two has arrived here in RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined by the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo. What do we got for you this hour? How about Jeff Palermo? He'll join us half an hour from right now. He'll talk LSU baseball. That's right. We'll recap the Baton Rouge Regional so far. The often delayed... <laughs> often Of all the regionals to look at. And the crazy thing about that is that the storm system, most storm systems we get here in this area come from the west, right? Go west to east. The one for Baton Rouge 
did not go I mean, west yeah. to east. I wasn't ready for you to give me an analysis of wind patterns, but I'm here for it. So what else you got? <laughs> was it called by the caused by the Coriolis effect? Did that play a role at all? That storm system did cause hail, which we ran into yesterday. I, well, Once it got over here, you bypassed it, right? You were able to get through the dark clouds on your way back home. I didn't get any hail, but I did get a lot of heavy rain and wind. And, and I saw, I said, oh, okay. I, I was listening um, to the game, on the game, um, as I was getting through the Baton Rouge area. And I was like, wait, okay, I understand why they're in a rain delay. I'm um, witnessing it. And uh, yeah, because at first, I will say, though, when they first said, Tarps coming out on the field. I was sitting there going, "What are you?" Tarps coming out on the field. And then I looked in front of me. I said, "Oh, okay, yeah." Tarps coming out on the field. It got so bad that hail started coming down in Opelousas, and so I had to maneuver because we went to go see our mother, uh, my wife's mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, and we had to go at the gas station over there in Opelousas and got underneath it, so we didn't get pelted with. Uh, hail, which was interesting. I was like, it's uh, it's June the 4th. All right. There we go. So, storm system wrecks havoc on the BR regional. But LSU finds a way. Paul Skeens was magnificent. First complete game he had thrown. He did that on Friday against Tulane, fighting Green Wave. They have Saturday off because of the weather disaster, mainly lightning. And then they play yesterday. Tie starts. They have, what was it, a three-hour delay yesterday? I do believe. Yeah, it was long. Yeah. So they bring out Thatcher, who pitches well enough. They get all their hits, courtesy of home runs. All their runs. And by the way, a big time save from Gavin Gidry, too, which I I don't know if he's only a freshman. Yeah. And that's a big moment, too, because that's an Oregon State team that had swung the bats, again, pretty well throughout the game. They hadn't necessarily strung together offensive rallies, but they had gotten some key hits, and Gidry comes in and shuts the door. And, you know, that's that's your that's your big question mark coming in. Right. And I was surprised it was Gidry, which I don't don't know. I didn't know who it was going to be. But I think um, Jay trust him. And he and he and he responded. Right. He trusts him more than he does any of the other guys that he would be pulling out, like Blake Money or somebody like that. He trusts the young man, the freshman, was very good. You were able to bring him out. And then you think about the guys they have left, right, because of who they used yesterday. They have a slew of guys well, they've only, still left. Yeah, they've only thrown four guys the whole weekend. It's been because it was Skeens in the first game, Correct. and then it was Floyd, and then it was you know Thatcher for the majority, and Gidry. And Gidry. So you can still throw Gidry today. You can also throw Ackenhausen, yep. who you haven't used, who was good at the SEC tournament. You can throw Cooper. So they have some guys that they can use. It all It's all going to be interesting to me. Who does he give the ball to to start with? Right. Right, because you have enough guys with Gavin and Ackenhausen and Cooper that can eat up in, and we've seen Cooper eat up innings as well. Right, he he can go three for you, so you can piece it together. But who gets to start? Do you trust Christian Little enough to throw him out there to start the game? I don't think he will. I I, I think he'll either a if he's interested in bringing Floyd back, which that depends on a philosophical feeling that a coach has. About Correct, bringing guys back. If that's the case, then I would. Cons- I think he would consider it. Otherwise, I think Ackenhausen's the most likely candidate. 
Um, now again, this can be an, he could do an opener style thing. He could give he could give the guy the ball. Well, let me try that again. He could give the ball to a guy for an inning or two, um, and then try and get a, some length out of somebody in the middle. Um, and that's another option. Another interesting thing that's it's not a huge deal here, but LSU's probably going to be the road team for the first game. That's usually how it works in a situation like this, where the two seed comes out. Um, they'd be the road team for the first game, then they'd be the home team if they had to play the if necessary game. So um, you get a chance to get the bats up there first. I think that that might be big too. If, if whoever it is, if the LSU offense can get them a couple of runs in the top half and just kind of take some of the pressure off, that could uh, change the mentality of whoever's going out there on the bump. I agree. So. It'll be fascinating to see what happens, how they approach that first game. Because once again, Oregon State has to win two games today to win the regional. LSU only has to win one. So what's the approach? Do you go out there and say, you know what? It's all hands on deck. Let's just win this game. Get it over with. Win the regional, put it in our back pocket, get prepared for the Supers. I like LSU's chances. Oregon State's a good ball club, though. They tested them yesterday. But once again, the flip side to that is, yes, Oregon State's a good team. But Oregon State doesn't have a wealth of pitching either. And they had to pitch a game last night. So they're having to come around after pitching late into last night, Dawson. They're having to turn around and play again at 1 o'clock today. After playing two games yesterday. And one of them late. So that's not necessarily the most ideal situation for the Beavers either. No, it's not, and it's not quite the same scenario as the Tennessee situation that we discussed because that was with the loss being the late game in the night and then coming back and playing in the morning. Correct. But the idea is still the same, that you had to exert a lot of energy. They played a close game, too. It was not like they blew out Sam Houston. They won that game 3-1, to one. so they pitched well for one thing, but um, they had to play a competitive game for nine innings, and that game ended... I think somewhere around midnight or so, and now you, yeah, you got to come back with an early afternoon first pitch. You know, I wonder if if the how what the conversations were like about the game t- times uh, for today and who who's involved in that. I don't exactly know. I know the team. You know, the host. We didn't team find has, out until after eleven. It was right around eleven right, which, o'clock which when we found out. Was interesting was. to me. I felt like they should have, or I don't know. I felt like they would have had already decided that. But either way, um, all this is interesting and. I guess for if you're Oregon State, you're happy it's not 11 a.m. You got a little bit bit of a break there because that was an option. <laughs> yeah, yes. But um, you're still going to have to turn around and play. I mean, it's it's a tall task. So again, that that also is just like you go you go with your best arms in the first game and you, you try to win the game. Again, if Oregon State puts up you know six seven runs in the first couple innings and you start to feel like you're out of it and you have a couple decisions to make, then I'm okay with saving arms at that point. But to start the game, you go all in to win the first game. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you want to try to close the door and you want to try to do it and not you never want to have to play that second game like you just you just don't and last night Oregon State in the win against Sam Houston they used three pitchers Lawson started the game he only pitched two innings gave up four walks and one earned run then they went with Aiden Jimenez who got the win but he went six innings for them and then Ryan Brown came in for his 11th save of the season. He pitched an inning, so obviously he's the closer. He'd be available again. So it's the same idea with them, right? Lattery started the game for them yesterday against LSU, and he was not sharp, but he worked his way out of two base-loaded jams, got a couple of big outs when he needed them. Um, now, he threw a ton of pitches, even in a very limited outing. Um, he threw, I think, almost 30 pitches in each inning, so he was up around 60 
um, just through two. So that's another option. I, I don't know if they're going to go to him to start, though. I think it's a situation where if he's going to pitch, it's going to be out of the bullpen for a couple of innings because I just don't know, given how many how many high-stress pitches he threw in those two, you know, two, three innings he threw yesterday. They used five pitchers against LSU yesterday. Yeah. And then three more. Now, Brown pitched in both games because he's their guy. But to, to your point, you know, they burned through some guys yesterday. And they what did, did Lattery end up? Do, do, do you have pitch counter innings there? I have t- uh, two full innings, one hit, four walks, three strikeouts. Yeah, and he was right around 60 pitches um, if he just went those yeah, two. Yeah, 57. So, yeah. Yeah. So That's, that's tough to, to try to ask. Now, again, we've seen it. The Cajuns did it. And, um, correct. It, it's doable, but... Again, also, he wasn't super sharp anyway, so I don't know how confident they would feel in trying to Lattery threw 57. You had Fair through 54 yesterday in that one game against LSU. So, you know, uh, Oregon State's going to be up against it a little bit there with the pitching. But once again, Tigers, Beavers, live right here on the game. 12.30 pregame will begin from the Baton Rouge Regional. First pitch slated for 1 o'clock, and we'll have it for you here on the game. If there is a winner-take-all game needed, I've been told, expect it to round be around 5 o'clock. So we could very well have an LSU doubleheader, if you will, tomorrow if the Tigers lose game one. So if we don't, and they only play the one game, we will have crunch time with Miguez and Mesh to recap that in in a very, very busy weekend. LSU still alive. Obviously, the other three teams from Louisiana, not alive. Tulane was eliminated at the Baton Rouge Regional. They had a great run, right? They even get into a regional. Nichols had a legitimate chance. Like, they were this close to winning a regional game. (laughs) And they had Alabama on the ropes, and was unable to get it get it done and they were eliminated as well Cajuns they played good baseball we talked about it in the previous hour Matt Diggs's team played good baseball over the weekend they just played it against better teams and and that just happens like this wasn't a situation Dawson where they blew a game right or they committed a bunch of errors that allowed the other team to win the game It, it wasn't this it was Texas is an exceptional defensive team, and they have really great pitching. That was the difference. Like, that was the difference in the first game. And then they outslug Maine. They just explode for all those runs. They hold on. They stave off elimination. Love to see the fight. And they had a chance against Miami in an elimination game yesterday. But the Hurricanes proved to be the better team. It happens. For you... These last two years are great foundation seasons for Matt Deggs' team. They obviously want to take the next step. You heard him when we heard him talk earlier on this show about how he felt like this team could, could make a run and that he loves these guys, but he's losing a lot. What's the next step here? What are some of the things? What are going to be the big, the big focus for Matt Deggs' team now that the foundation has been laid? Conference tournament championship a year ago. Made a run again this year. Two NCAA regional appearances. Got the foundation laid. Right. How do we build upon that now? Well, 
I think, obviously, big picture, Matt Daggs has established what he wants to do. I think that's important, right? That That's not something that And the changes. type of players he wants. Yeah, and that's going to that's, that's gonna stay the same as well. Now, I think, unfortunately, specifically with this group, a lot of what's going to happen in the offseason is not going to be in Matt Daggs' hands completely because I think in addition to now you're losing guys like Heath Hood, C.J. Willis, Will Vaon, Max Marshock, you knew that. Um, your, your best, your next two best players, maybe outside of Kyle DeBarge, are Carson Rockefort and Julian Brock, and they're both going to be draft eligible, and they both play premium defensive. You yeah, know, they, they both have premium defensive options. They both have plus bats. They're both all conference selections. Like, there's a good chance both of them get drafted. Um, and now with the shortened MLB draft, it's down to 20 rounds, right? But it puts a more of an emphasis on the guys you do draft. Teams mm-hmm. are a little more likely to sign them. Um, specifically, you know, specifically Julian Brock, like I. A guy who plays a catcher premium position catches every single game. Oh. That's going to be interesting to see, right? Those guys are going to have decisions to make. Now, Matt Deggs has to then recruit around that, right? And I think it, it maybe puts more emphasis. The thing about catcher, like if Julian Brock does leave, now we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but they don't have a guy who played significantly, right? Clay Wargo played a couple of times and, and looked good at times this year, but you're going to have to completely replace a guy who's an emotional leader of your team and one of your best players in Rockford as well. Um, you know, look, other than that, yeah, they need to try and find a frontline starter. They need to try and find a Friday night guy. And like, oh, you're the team that wants a Friday night guy? Yeah, everybody else wants one too. Like, it, it's not True. that easy to find one. So that's something that has to happen. But I think they did see some of their younger arms pitch really well down the stretch. Um, and, you know, look, injuries were an issue for guys like Blake McGeehy and Dylan Toy. We'll see where those guys are even heading into next year. I'm not exactly sure. Um, Tommy Ray already left in the portal, so he's a guy that's not in the mix anymore. But Blake Marshall pitched really well at the end of the season. The pitching has been the thing that's been missing since he's been here, right? Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's not his forte, right? His forte is hitting. So this team very much has his identity, but I think he knows too that, okay, if we're going to take that next step from being a team that's in a regional to a team that is going to win a regional and win a super Got to have a frontline starter. Got to have it. And look, credit them for being able to piece it together. And he changed his philosophy and their approach, and it worked. And it, and it did what it was supposed to do for them to get them where they're at. But you can't do that over a season. And you, but you're exactly correct. Everyone's looking for a frontline. LSU would love to have another frontline starter, right? They, they got one, and they got them from Air Force. Yeah, no, and, and, and it's going to be interesting to see. And look, hey, um, you know, I got to see a guy on the Cajun Prairie who's committed to the Cajuns who's going to be a guy who's going to be in the mix next year, and so oh, that'll be interesting to is. see. There it is. Um, he, he, you know, Patrick Vienne pitched very well at times uh, for the Bengals, so you're going to have a guy like that. you got a couple of guys, of course. They've got a signing class that they're already working on with some guys that are Correct. going to be coming. Um, but let's see what he does there. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to have to attack the portal in, in, in some way, uh, you know, some shape. Or fashion, and, and try and get one or two more guys at least. But um, with all that being said, I think yeah, the, the key here is he's laid the foundation. He knows what mm-hmm. he wants, and the identity and the makeup. The there was never a doubt as far as uh, the makeup and the and the attitude of these guys. Now Correct. there was at times some limitations. Again, with part of it was injuries, part of it was the roster and how it was built. But um, there wasn't any limit to the amount of fight in the team. I think that's important because because there there's been times where that's been an issue uh, for this program and others that we follow. So. That's correct, but 40-win season, beat LSU, who was number one at the time, in their place. You took down Coastal Carolina twice in the same day in the conference tournament. They're a top-10 ranked team. You go back to a regional. You win a game at the regional. 
It's a lot to build on. And you're right. The biggest thing for me, besides the pitching, is he has now established the identity of this program and the type of players he wants. And Matt Deggs is not going to settle, by the way, in case you haven't picked up on that. He's not going to settle. He's not going to be desperate and have to settle for some guy that doesn't fit their culture because he is a very much a big culture guy. And you have to be part of what he envisions this team to be. And if you buy in, great. If you don't, thank you anyway. Got to take a break. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, NBA Finals. Hey, it's all knotted up 1-1, despite Jokic going off for more than 40 points last night. We'll talk about that with you next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NBA Finals Game 2 was last night. Nuggets had pretty much, I don't know, flexed their muscles in Game 1. Miami had come off, not a lot of time off in between their Eastern Conference Final Series against the Boston Celtics, which went seven games. They had to travel, high altitude, always a factor when you have to go out to Denver, whether you're playing football, basketball, or baseball. The elevation matters. And it's always an advantage for the home team. And the Nuggets easily won game number one. Well, game two was last night, also still in Denver. And the man, that two-time league MVP, you know, the big fella, he was exceptional last night for the Denver Nuggets. Just exceptional. 41 points. 16 of 28 shooting, even made two three-pointers. He was 7 and 8 from the free throw line, had 11 rebounds, four assists. He was magnificent. And the Nuggets lost 111 to 108. But once again, we keep talking about we had this conversation on a group text. <laughs> we keep being perplexed by how Miami wins games <laughs> because Jokic went off had a magnificent game and they still lost at home to a Miami Heat team where Jimmy Butler only gave him 21 points he was 7 to 19 from the field he was not great not great Jimmy did not go off in fact no one really went off for Miami Dawson Bam gave them 21 points and nine rebounds. Okay. They got Vincent, who gave them 23, four, six from three point range. That was a big deal. But they only had two other players scoring double digits. That was it. That was it. Yet the Heat found a way 
Well, they played they played Miami Heat basketball, right? They they're coached well. They look for open shots. They don't force things. Duncan Robinson looked like an NBA player again last night, which has been um, a lot of yeses and a lot of noes in that regard. Oh yes. Um, but he was big. Hit a couple of huge threes and had a nice drive to the basket as well late in that game. But yeah, no, that's the other thing too, and that's the the thing with Jimmy Butler now is. It's 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 been a a bit of a pivot in these playoffs. He went from being Superman and carrying them on his back to I think realizing that he didn't necessarily have that in the tank for seven games times four series or whatever they were going to have to play, and now he's looked for other options. He's looked to get his teammates involved at times, and I think that's helped them. Like I think Jimmy's actual it's actually tremendously unselfish I think for what Jimmy's actually pivoted and in, in what he thinks his role is and look maybe a little bit of injuries played a part in that as well but for him to have that level of awareness I think a lot of guys when they're playing as well as Jimmy would they would have continued to take 40 shots a game or whatever it took you know um, but he hasn't and and that also speaks to heat culture and their expulsion everything all the great things we've said about them for this whole run but Hey, we said it after game one and that they just needed a performance like this. And look, Denver Denver looked like they were going to run, run away with this game at a couple of different points. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a double-digit lead, and they were rolling at the end of the first half. And then Miami makes a nice little run right before the halftime break and cuts back into that lead. That was big, and then it kind of sets them up to hang around in the second half. And they just kept hanging around, and then all of a sudden they, they had a big surge. They also did a nice job, even though the Joker got his. They did a very nice job defending the other guys. Right? Gordon only gave him 12. He was 5 of 7 shooting, so he was wildly efficient. I thought he probably should have taken more shots, but he didn't. Michael Porter Jr. gave him nothing. Five points. That was it. He was non-factor. They took him out of the game. Caldwell Pope, six points. He wasn't all that good. And Jamal Murray had an off night. He was 7 of 15 shooting. Three of eight from three-point range. Only had 18 points. So we, we're two games in now. Is this is this the approach that Miami can take to have a chance in this series to be like, okay, because every time Jokic has scored over 40 in these playoffs, Denver's lost, by the way, which is interesting. Is it say, okay, the big fella, he can go off. But the rest of you guys, you're not going to beat us. Like, yeah, and well, and it it also becomes a battle of whose role players step up on that night. And in game correct. one, Denver's were far and away better than oh, Miami's yeah. role players were. And and in this game, like you said, everybody stepped up. Benson had a nice game. Duncan Robinson showed back up again. Um, by the way, this is all to be you know noted. The fact that Caleb Martin missed this game with an injury, um, correct? And that was kind of a late scratch. I think there was some discussion about whether or not he was going to play. He doesn't play now. Again, he was awful in game one, but. How great he was all of the Eastern Conference Finals. You thought maybe he could give him a, a boost, and they didn't have him either. So Miami, I mean, like it's still – and then Tyler Hero was also, um, you know, floating around. Maybe he was going to play in this game. He didn't. Um, he's going to have a chance in game three. We'll see how that goes throughout the, you know, the next couple days. You get, again, two off days. I don't, two off days. You know, is what it is. Now, this one, it makes more sense to have two because you're traveling back to Miami. I don't understand the two between game one and two, but, you know, again, the NBA's – playoffs last longer than regular season so that's fine um Miami's got to get those types of performances every night though that's that's what's what's going to be tough for them um but they got it in game two and there's nothing saying they can't get it in game three I still think Denver's you know the better team here and they have the the opportunity but hey Miami's still back home court and that that also becomes a factor and I agree with you I still like Denver to win the series Denver's the better team 
but Milwaukee was the better team. The Knicks were the better team. The Celtics were the better team. And it didn't matter. Like, that's what's amazing about what Miami is doing, that they are clearly not the better team, talent-wise, depth-wise. Yet, they keep finding ways to win these games. 111-108 victory to tie up the NBA Finals at one game apiece. The series will now head back, head over, rather, to Miami for games three and games four. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll go back to the Diamond LSU Baseball Talk with our guy Jeff Plarimo from Tiger Rag Radio. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Will LSU win the Baton Rouge Regional today? Once again, Tigers taking on the Oregon State Beavers. That will be at 1 o'clock first pitch from the box. Pre-game will begin at 12.30. We'll have it for you all right here on the game. They win the first game. They win the Regional. They punch their ticket to the Supers, which they will host. If they lose the first game today, then they'll have to play another game roughly around 5 o'clock, and that'll be a winner-take-all game. Right now, 85% of you say yes. 15% of you say no. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day, and we'll share your comments throughout today's show. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk more about Jay Johnson's team with the man who co-hosts Tiger Rag Radio. Our good friend Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Uh, trying to stay dry, trying to avoid lightning, and uh, trying to watch some baseball. That's kind of what. Uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at at this point. <laughs> Let's go back to Friday. Uh, a lot of people were like, Ooh, "What's Jay Johnson doing? He's pitching Paul Skeens," and Paul went out there and threw a complete game, his first one, and ate up a ton of innings. And Jay was able to save his bullpen, and then the weather comes, and they don't play on Saturday, and he's only able to uh, is only forced to use three guys yesterday. So the gamble to do the non LSU thing because what Skip Bertman would have done and what Paul Maneri would have done would save the A's for Saturday. That's what they traditionally always do. But Jay says, "No, I'm going to throw my guy Friday." It seemed to pay off. Uh, it looks like it has paid off. Um... I still don't know if I would have done it that way, but it worked out. And I don't know if maybe Jay was taking in the weather account, the, taking the weather into account as well, because the the rain chances were higher on Saturday than they were Friday. And we know Jay Johnson; he studies the weather too. <laughs> he's a big weather guy, and he does not want if he's going to use skeins, he doesn't want. Any interruptions, obviously. Uh, the guy's got a $10 million arm, if not more than that, and he, he understands the risk of uh, you know trying to play around with that when it comes to weather delays. So uh, maybe that was part of the uh, – you know Jay really didn't give much of an 
explanation on Friday afterwards other than, hey, he's the best pitcher in college baseball, and I decided to throw him today. You know, Paul Maneri would have given you a novel on the decision that he would have, you know, on his decision. Yeah, so, Jay, Jay, uh, Jay was not having – I was there at the press conference on Friday, yeah. and he seemed to be annoyed by even having to answer the questions. He was not too thrilled yeah. about and having to answer that. Yeah, no doubt. And, and here's what I'll, I would say about it is that he is very calculated in everything he does. He, uh, The thing that I really like about him, he leaves no stone unturned. This wasn't a thing where, you know, he just woke up Friday morning and said, you know what, I think I'll throw Paul Skeens today. What the heck? I don't, that was not what went into his thinking and his decision that he ended up making. So it was something that he thought about long and hard. He looked at different numbers. I would think he looked at the forecast and, and just took it all into account and said, you know what, Skeens is my guy today. And the other thing in this is, is he's got a lot of faith and guys like Ty Floyd and Thatcher Hurd. And even though those guys haven't been perfect every time out, he, and especially Ty Floyd, because the fan base has been down at times on Ty Floyd, you know, part of it is, is that you, you watch Paul Skeens go out there and strike out 12 hitters and throw seven innings. And then Ty Floyd, when he's not able to do that, it's, it's just like, well, you know, what's wrong with him? Well, no, it's Paul Skeens is that great. And Ty Floyd is, he's a really good college baseball pitcher. He's just not in the same stratosphere as Paul Skeens. So I think sometimes he unfairly, he gets unfairly compared to what Paul Skeens does. And Jay has always never had the expectations for Ty Floyd as high as they are for Paul Skeens. He understands what Ty Floyd is, which is a really good number two pitcher on the college baseball level. And um, Thatcher Hurd has come. He, this, this was the thing we've been just waiting for him out of him all year. He has come along at the exact right time when you needed him. Uh, he, he, and it started in that series at, at Alabama or Georgia, excuse me, and it has continued here. You know, a good outing in the SEC tournament, uh, and then another great outing yesterday. Despite giving up four runs, uh, you strike out twelve over five innings. I don't know, you know, I don't know really what else you can ask out of him, and and, and he was huge in that game. So yes, it, it all worked out for Jay Johnson. Um, it, it could have been disastrous, though. It could have been, but it it it, it turned out it worked out well. But again, it was a well thought out decision, and, um, and and at this point, you can't argue against it. Well, Jeff, kind of going with the progression of the weekend then, Saturday doesn't happen. Sunday you play Oregon State, and it's about the bats at some points there. They got a couple of huge home runs, including Braden Jobert with kind of the what event ends up being the game winner. Um, but all those bats were important, but it was the pitching that you, you just kind of discussed. But how about those clutch home runs? It just That's all the only way they scored runs was via the home run. Yeah, it's, it's really uh... – it's very difficult to hit five home runs and only score six runs, but that's exactly what LSU did. Um, so give them a lot of credit uh, for for what they did um, as far as the home runs go. You're still waiting for them. I mean, even on Friday, they had the opportunity a few times to really just bust that game wide open, and instead they they got sacrifice flies or they got ground outs and had scored a run. You know, they didn't get any extra base hits with men on base. Uh, but at least they put the ball in play, and they still scored seven runs, and that's and, and that's that's very good. And then last night, 
they had some bases loaded situations where they could have really uh, put together some big innings, and they and they didn't. But the the home run ball was working for them last night, and they need they needed all five of those home runs, and uh, that's why they're such a dangerous lineup, one through nine. Even Josh Pearson, a home run and a triple in the number nine spot. I mean, it's just. Uh, you can't sleep on him either. So um, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are kind of mashing their teeth over the left on base situation, you know, but it, it's not like, like in football, right? Like if you're struggling to score in the red zone, you, you can sit there and say, okay, well maybe let's call some different plays or, or let's scheme things a little bit differently. Or in basketball, you're having trouble scoring against a zone defense. We, you can kind of work on those things. Yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah. You, in batting practice, you can work on. You can imagine that there's a guy at second and, the, and a guy at third with one out, and you can imagine yourself trying to put the ball in play, scoring the runs. But it's in the game. It's just. It's just so much different. I mean, they, they know what they're supposed to do with runners in scoring position. I mean, they know what they're, they're supposed to do. It's just, can they get it done? I mean, Trey Morgan and, and Hayden Travinsky, I mean, those two guys uh, and Gavin Dugas, I mean, they, between the three of them, they, they left nine runners on base. And those are three really good hitters for you. It's just, I don't know, it's just one of those things that's happening for them right now. But um, it, it, they're, they're still, they're, they're you got to like their chances where they're at compared to where a lot of teams are at this point that came in as national seeds. Well, that's exactly where I was headed next. Let's set up today. So you've got the game, 1 o'clock, Oregon State, who had to battle late into the night last night to eliminate Sam Houston and get back to this point. Um, this is where LSU, this is kind of where the, the struggles or the worries were coming in is when you get to this point in the pitching rotation. But... They've now got two chances. How do you think Jay Johnson sets it up? I know he's not going to tell anybody until it's time to put the lineup cards in. Well, I would think it's going to be Javon Coleman. I, I don't really know. I mean, unless he decided to go with uh, Riley Cooper or something like that. But I, that wouldn't. I mean, Javon Coleman has been kind of your Sunday starter here. Um, I, you know, he he got a little bit of work in the SEC tournament last week, so he should be ready to go. And then you really, other than Thatcher Hurd, you pretty much have your entire bullpen intact, ready to go today. So they're in they're in outstanding shape. I mean, they've only used four pitchers, and and only three of them can't come back: Skeens, Floyd, and Hurd. Uh, Gavin Guidry, uh, he threw twelve pitches. He he would be good to go today to give you a couple innings if you needed it out of him. And uh, you got Nate Ackenhausen, and you got Griffin Herring. I mean, you got a you got a lot of arms here that you can use compared to where Oregon State is at this point. And remember, the Beavers came into this regional down two of their starting pitchers heading into the weekend because of injuries. So uh, maybe they could come back with AJ Lattery today. After he threw 57 pitches yesterday, maybe that's one guy that could potentially come back for him. But they're they're really short. But then again, they held uh, last night. They held a a really good Sam Houston team offensively to just one run. So uh, they're they're figuring out a way to get it done. I, I would expect another tight game here today. I just LSU's been playing a lot of tight games lately, and I'm kind of thinking that that's what you're going to get in this uh, one o'clock matchup. Well, we've kind of discussed the idea of, of going with your best arms here in this first game, and that, of course, makes a ton of sense to do it. But let's just say Javon Coleman gives you a decent outing, but you lose game one. 
I would assume bullpen approach is what you go with in game two, right? Because there's not really another legitimate starter left, or maybe you bring back Ty Floyd. What would be your thoughts in that situation? Yeah, I don't know if they bring back Ty Floyd. And, you know, Jay, when he was asked about it yesterday, said probably not. And the the look on his face seemed like it was even more advanced than probably not, like really unlikely. I mean, you could, Ty Floyd worked really hard yesterday. I mean, that was set. I mean, you could, if it was, you know, maybe if he threw only 40 pitches in three innings, you would think about it. But he ended up throwing 71 pitches in three innings. I mean, Oregon State really battled him in that game yesterday. Uh, he walked a couple guys. Um, so, and he's just, he hasn't done that all year. He hasn't gone out there and he and pitched and then came back the next day and pitched again. So you're, I, I don't think you would ask uh, him to try that unless there was just absolutely nobody left in that second game and you needed like two more outs. Maybe you bring him back. Um, they, that that might be the scenario that they would have. But um, I think they, I would think LSU feels really good about where they're at pitching wise, and they should because again they've only used four pitchers through two days and that, or through two games, and that's. That's about as good as he can do uh, in a regional format. Jeff, we'll wrap it up with this. When it's all said and done after today, will the Tigers be preparing to host a Super Regional this coming weekend? Oh, I think so. I think they will, and I think they get it done in this first game again. I think it will be close. I, I don't I don't foresee I, – I, I can see this Oregon State team keeping up with LSU offensively, but just do they have enough arms to – to carry him over the top. And, and I think LSU is in position well. And I think just like you see hitting be contagious, I think pitching can be contagious. I would think all those guys that have yet to pitch are super pumped coming to the park today because they've just seen Paul Skeens, Ty Floyd, Thatcher Hurd, Gavin Guidry laid out on the line, and they want to they wanna take the baton and pass it to the next guy. And I think there's a just a really good vibe with that pitching staff at this moment because you're seeing a lot of guys go out there on the mound and have success. You know, when this team was giving up nine-run leads against Mississippi State, it was going the other way. Every guy that was going out on the mound outside of Paul Skeens was getting lit up. And so that enters your mind as a pitcher as you go out there. Now it's it's different. Now everybody's feeling it's going out on that mountain with confidence because they're seeing the guy before them excel at a high rate, and they they think they can do that too. So um, you just got to like where LSU is at at this point. Jeff, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy Tiger Rag Radio this week. Brother, we'll talk to you next Monday, my friend. All right, Raymond. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
poll question of the day. Will LSU win the Baton Rouge Regional today? Already up to 63 votes. You guys are fired up about this poll question that was originated from Earth. I was concerned that it would be originated from somewhere else. 83% say yes. 17% say no. Let's get to some of your comments. Ralph says, I sure hope so. Should be a slugfest. Still disagree with the decision to pitch Skeens against Tulane, but I've never been to Omaha, and Jay Johnson has. Go Tigers. It's a fair point. There's certain things we're not consistent with on the show, but we I, we pretty consistently post a poll question from Earth. Like That's usually not something that varies, but I'm glad that they clarify in case anyone... <laughs> I'm glad that they clarified as well. <laughs> I was concerned. Hart says, I think in the end, yes, but I got a bad gut feeling that OSU will push to a second game. I hope I'm wrong. Look, they're more than capable. They're a dangerous two-seed. Ton says, may as well get it over with, LOL. Salty Steve says, three things you can count on are death taxes and LSU going to the Supers. Stick a fork in Oregon State. They're done. Salty Steve from the top elbow today. Boom. Salty Steve also says, hope the listening audience took notice of the Legends Night segment. Not often do you get a $23 winner given out for free. Just saying. Um, I, I don't understand this comment, so we're going to, I'll share it. Um, Cam Oakland says, you're making it blatantly obvious on your show this morning that you don't like LSU and don't even watch Herd. 12 Ks and five innings, buddy. Plenty of arms left for us, by the way. What is that? Who's that in response to? Did, was I confused? Did we... I'm I'm confused by this comment. I don't understand it. Did did we not say that Thatcher Hurd pitched really well, with the exception of a couple of bad pitches? He pitched really really well and did his job. Yeah, and no, that, I mean, I, I and, and didn't really we say good. they only used four pitches total so far in the regional, and they have everyone else at their disposal? I believe so. Yes. And didn't we say they're in the driver's seat? They are in the driver's seat. Okay. I'm I'm so I'm just. I, okay. Just making sure. Who'd have forever just says you're right. And John Paul Cajun Daddy says, so great weekend for me. Went like this. Baseball, 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 cut grass, baseball, 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 breakers, baseball, baseball, baseball. Left out, eat and sleep, but that was pretty much it. Great weekend. Go Tigers. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, right around the bend, right here on the game. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. LSU is one win away from going back to the Super Regionals, which they would host. Doesn't matter who wins the Lexington Regional between Kentucky and Indiana. If LSU takes care of business this afternoon at the box, they will host the Super Regionals, which would be this coming weekend. But first, they have to take care of business today. Oregon State 
staved off elimination, beating Sam Houston late last night. And they'll take on LSU again this afternoon. First pitch, 1 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 1230. We'll have that for you right here on the game. You're home for the LSU Tigers. LSU in great shape. Phenomenal shape. Skeens goes the distance on Friday. Eats up all those innings. Complete game. So that lets Jay have the opportunity to not have to burn through his bullpen. And that proved to be critical yesterday in a hard-fought 6-5 win over Oregon State, a game that was delayed a roughly three hours. Because you needed to use the guys. Ty Floyd got the start. Scattered five hits, only gave up the one earned run, struck out five, walked two. But you couldn't bring him back out there after the long delay. Just couldn't do it. So they bring in Thatcher Hurd. And Thatcher Hurd pitched well. 12 strikeouts. Gave up four earned runs on seven hits. Wasn't a perfect game. Wasn't Paul Skeens. So when we say he pitched well, That's what we mean. By the well, way, once again, I'm still perplexed. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. I'm 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 it's still just... perplexed by saying that someone pitched well. He he wasn't Paul Skeens, and that's okay. They didn't need Thatcher Hurd to be Paul Skeens yesterday. He went out there and did his job, and he's been pitching better in the last month of the season, including the SEC tournament. He gave him five strong innings. He had some pitches he would want back. He wasn't perfect. He did give up four earned runs, which is a lot, just to point out. I wanted to go back, though, to those first couple innings when you had Ty Floyd and um, Lattery on the mound for Oregon State because they both pitched themselves into jams. And, like, this game ended up 6-5. It could have been 12-10, but they both got out of them for the most part. And you saw the, you know, you had the one run allowed there, but, like, LSU loads the bases in both the first two innings, and Lowry finds a way to get out of it. And so that was an interesting thing going into the rain delay. Correct. Because if you don't have the rain delay, and those guys are pitching still out there, Floyd and Lowry, like, I wonder how that would have went. But now we don't know, right? They, they end up having the, the, the delay. It felt like it was going to be a high-scoring game. If, if somebody if, was going to break through, right? Right, if someone was going to break through. But they get the delay, and then Jay makes the decision to bring in Thatcher. And Thatcher, even after... He gave up the home run. He was able to bounce back. Look, th- this is what you're going to get from Thatcher Hurd. He's going to give you good. Struck out 12. That's very good. Borderline great. But he also gave up four runs and seven hits. Now, to be fair to Thatcher, Oregon State is a very good hitting ball club. But at the end of the day... They only used three pitchers yesterday. That's it. That's all they used. They've only used four pitchers for the regional. So you're going to be able to use Coleman today. You're going to be able to use Cooper today. You're going to be be able to use Ockenhausen today. So you're going to be able to get some guys. You go out there, you can take care of business and knock this bad boy out and win the game because LSU, even though they don't have anyone else named Paul Skeens on their pitching staff, we know this, There's a drop-off. He's the best pitcher in America, so there's going to be a drop-off. Here's the thing. They're in better shape with their pitching staff than Oregon State is because Oregon State had two guys injured before the regional that couldn't play, 
and they've already ate up uh, far more arms out of their rotation this weekend because also they had to play an extra game last night. So LSU is in the driver's seat. Great opportunity here. Win the first game, get it over with, don't have to worry about a winner game all, and move on to the Super Regional round. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on Kyle to the show. Kyle's been patiently waiting. Kyle, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Good morning. Um, yeah, just a, a couple things. Obviously, first off, well, you know, Tigers, they got to they got to stop leaving the bases loaded, right? <laughs> I mean, they did that what, three times that I saw for sure. Um, but then um, the main reason that I'm calling is you got people about you know um, Paul Skeens starting on Friday. I understand some people were like a little apprehensive of why would why is he going to be starting on Friday, but the people today that are still saying I can't believe I still can't believe he started schemes on Friday after the delays after no pitcher pitched on Saturday because of the weather correct and now with the shape of our bullpen I mean who knows what we would have gotten out of schemes if they pitched him yesterday that's like it it blows my mind uh, the people that that still disagree with that decision that was in hindsight the most perfect decision he possibly could have made. And Kyle, to, to your point there, and look, I, I didn't have the visceral reaction that a lot of people had. I was like, oh, that's surprising. Because you were thinking, well, maybe he wants to save Skeens for Saturday because he'll more than likely face an Oregon State team that's really good, right? So that, that was my thought process. Is, okay, but then if you think about it further out, he pitches Paul on Friday well, guess what? They make it to the Supers. Now you set the tone for the best two out of three Super Regional Series, and you're going to throw the best pitcher in America on Friday. You get the win. Now you're in the driver's seat for the Super Regionals. Exactly. So you you set it up a week ahead. Friday. I mean, you think about the schedule that these pitchers are on. Sometimes there's a Thursday game and a Friday game. You Correct. Know, the series was shifting. It's like, why not keep the best pitcher in America on schedule for game one of a potential super super regional, I mean it's it's a no brainer, and I think I think I think Jay made a perfect call. I, I I don't disagree with it one bit. I didn't on Friday, and I don't today. Who do you think Jay's going to go with today? You think it's going to be Coleman? Um, I you know I, I think it it may be a um, what do they say? Um, you know by committee, Johnny Holsaf today. I, I think I think he's gonna he's gonna go. I, I, I don't think he's going to keep anyone in too long. I think he's going to keep fresh arms coming at him, different looks coming at him just to get this game done and and be resting tomorrow, not, you know, recovering from two games. Kyle, appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day, and I uh, hope you have a tremendous week. Yeah, you too. Yeah, it does set up, right? If, if you're Jay, and I, but I think what Jeff told us earlier, Dawson, was probably a little bit more to do with it where Palermo kind of told us that Jay obsesses about the weather. So maybe he looked at the forecast and said, we may not play at all tomorrow. Do I really want to burn, do I really not want Skeens to pitch until maybe Sunday? And here's the other thing. Let's say, you would, let's say he takes that approach and says, hey, I'm going to throw Skeens against Oregon State. Well, he doesn't pitch on Saturday. He begins the game on Sunday. Well, you're not bringing him back out after three hours, are you? So then you only had him pitch for three innings on Sunday. That's that's what the scenario would have played out. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, 
in in hindsight now if you knew everything you know now then of course you made the right decision i'm okay with questioning still the thought process behind it because you can't just look at the results I, he didn't know it was going to now if did he pl- if he played rain into the thought process then i think that's a very smart way to do it right like that's a way very intelligent you know f- thinking ahead type right. of situation now the other thing about it is like you can also look at the angle of if if they didn't throw skeins and they threw somebody who wasn't locked in that day, like Tulane stuck around in this game. This wasn't a blowout. Like it ended up seven to two. Uh, they hit a two run homer. They had a couple other runners on base in late innings and they didn't get the hits. But this wasn't a situation where where you sat there and said, "Well, see, we could have thrown anybody against Tulane." Like they battled and played pretty well. So uh, that's another reason that it now looks better in Jay. And, and I think Jay Johnson. Look, he he knew this Tulane team was better than 19 wins. Now, were they the best team in this regional outside of LSU? Probably not. Oregon State's still probably a much better team. No, but, but it was also I, the 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 way of thinking, and he kind of elaborated a little bit on this on Friday when we were talking to him afterwards. Was you know Tulane was extremely hot coming into the regional, right? I mean, they just went on an improbable run to win their conference tournament to punch their ticket to an NCAA regional. So why not go ahead and try to extinguish that immediately, right? Go ahead and get that dangerous team out of the way. Look, it you can go back and forth. Was it a, a little bit of a gamble? Yes. But no matter what, you got to find a way to win the games. That's what you got to do. Like... What if you went the alternate route and pitched somebody else and lost the game to Tulane? Well, now you're in a really bad situation, right? So those what-if scenarios can go either way. It was a bit of a gamble. It was a bit of a stunner. It was talked about a lot on social media. It was talked a lot about outside of the stadium, by the way, walking up to the stadium, listening to LSU fans talk about it that were out there gathering, having a good time before they entered the box. And it was talked about inside the press box as well. So it was a buzzed about topic. Make no bones about it. And one where people went, huh? But that said, Jay's the skipper, right? And he felt that that gave his team the best chance to winning the regional. And that's what his job is at the end of the day. No, yeah, exactly. And and the funny thing, too, and it actually even slipped my – I don't know why Coleman didn't even come to my mind when we first talked about this early in the morning today when I was talking about bringing guys back or not because Coleman didn't throw in those first two games. And I guess a lot of rain delays and things going on, that just kind of slipped. But, yeah, I think he's the prime candidate. But I do think, to Kyle's point, you know, in the call he just made, um, there's an opportunity to go whole staff. I wonder if he would consider that more of the second-game option, though. Um, go Coleman as a traditional start now. We've seen – what teams have done and changed the approach. If, if Coleman starts, but he doesn't look sharp early, you can have a short leash when these games are this important. And because you haven't burned through your bullpen, you're right. allowed to do that. You're even more, yeah, Correct. even more so inclined. So now he also likes Cooper a lot. Yeah, but I, right? I think he'd like to get it to the middle innings. Yeah. Um, and so I think the perfect scenario for them is you get six out of Coleman and you get maybe one out of Cooper, one out of, you or know, two, Ackenhausen. you can go two yeah, right. Cooper, yeah. I mean, all those are different options, and those are going to play and, out as the game plays out. And you but. can pitch Gavin again because he only did the one inning last night. Certainly. And and so all that to say, whoever throws has to have their best stuff. Oregon State is a good offense, and we saw that at times. Um, but also I think that offense needs to carry the way, and there's no reason to believe they won't. Dylan Cruz is a, a tough guy to get out, uh, in case anyone hasn't noticed. 
And again, yeah, the, I also don't worry as much about the runners in scoring position thing. I mean, it's funny that these tr- these seem to be like trends sometimes, but they're, they, they don't work themselves out in the way that they're necessarily supposed to all the time because they swung the bats really well uh, early on in those innings and then didn't get the clutch hit at the right time. But then it, later in the game, Braden Jobert hit a solo home run 440 feet in a clutch moment, right? So I don't know if it's about an approach. And, and like Foote likes to bring up, and I think it's a great point, when there's a runner on third and less than one out, or less than two outs, I should say, that's a run you have to get home. The two-out hits are difficult to get. Like, they're tough. When, yeah. when guys make good pitches, you only you hit 300 in the big leagues, you go in the Hall of Fame. So it's tough to get those hits every time you need them. And LSU did leave 10 runners on the base pass in yesterday's game. Oregon State left 12. So it was just one of those games. Once again, baseball happens. Baseball happens. Got to take a timeout. When we return, how about everything else that happened over the weekend? It was a busy weekend. Memorial Golf Tournament, one of the better ones on the tour. Huh? NASCAR, Houston Astros baseball. We'll get to it all with you next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, Serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you, you've been heavy. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. Victor Hovland wins in a playoff at the Memorial Tournament. And look, this was a weekend where multiple television screens were kind of a necessity. Um, there was a lot going on. Now, I love, first of all, I want to give a quick shout-out to Squeeze Play on ESPN+, Plus because it saved you know a lot of the uh, channel flipping by them kind of keeping you with that Red Zone-style broadcast. I thought that was fantastic all weekend long. But um, on the PGA Tour, Victor Hovland wins it. And look, this was an interesting Sunday because Rory McIlroy looked primed and in position, and he teed off in the final grouping, but just did not have it at all. He ends up shooting a final round 75 and kind of plays his way out of contention here. Um, but Victor Hovland and Denny McCarthy, the surprise of the day. McCarthy coming from a few shots back to get this into a playoff. Scotty Scheffler made a run there. Uh, Ricky Fowler made a bunch of birdies early in the day and then faded back. Um, but there was always there was a bunch of big names lingering around the scoreboard, and then Denny McCarthy. Now, they end up going to a playoff. And ultimately, they both kind of hit not great shots, but Victor Hovland was able to make the par to win it as uh, McCarthy made bogey. So overall, I thought a a pretty exciting tournament. The Memorial, I mean, it challenged golfers. I mean, the winning score at seven under par. This was not somewhere uh, where a ton of birdies were easy to come by. You you saw, and and the announcers referenced it, a little bit of a preview of what we're going to see in a few weeks at the U.S. Open, right, with really, really thick rough. Um, they did not set this course up for, for anything easy, and um, I thought it challenged everybody throughout the weekend. And, and it was overall a pretty entertaining tournament with a couple of names you'd expect to be there, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, among others, and then a couple of surprises, and Denny McCarthy was that. But he just comes up a little bit short in that playoff to Victor Hovland. Hovland wins the Memorial, which is one of the better tournaments on tour. And we switch over from golf to Major League Baseball. Astros have been playing extremely well. And they were going for a sweep yesterday of what Kevin Foote likes to call the fighting MVPs. But Otani hit a tie-breaking RBI double in the eighth, and they were able to pull out a 2-1 to win 
over the Strohs. Look, the Angels are kind of just treading water a little bit, it feels like. And and we're going through this again with Otani, just like we've gone through with Trout, where you have a generational talent, a guy that is immensely special and unique. And they're just eh, right? They're just eh. eh. They, they, they are what they've been forever. Right. They don't know how to build around superstar talent. Which is crazy to me. Well, and and you know they're going to lose them um, if they, <laughs> pretty soon. <laughs> like they'll have this year, and we'll see. And I think there's been some rumblings already that Otani's kind of mentioned. Hey, if this doesn't turn around, I'm I'm, I'm gone. And by the way, he's going to probably be the highest paid athlete ever whenever that contract happens. But um, yeah, you got the job done. Three out of four. The Astros are in a stretch where they don't have off days, and and we talked about this a little bit last week. Yes. They, they again. How about you play last night in uh, or yesterday afternoon in Houston, and now you've got to go all the way to Toronto and play tonight on the road. So that's gross. That is a tough little turnaround. But with all that being that's said, gross. I think you get another great outing from JP France, who after the first couple that were really good, he had started to struggle a little bit. Still pitched you into the sixth and seventh inning of games. Um, but last night, he, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, he he went back into what he looked like in his first couple starts, and that was really good. And that's an important, important sign as you're still battling these injuries. We kind of talked about that last week with James Jasko. And so it, you, that's the encouraging thing about yesterday. The offense kind of struggles in a series finale, but you win three out of four, you can't complain about it, and that's what you needed to do. And here's the other thing. Even with yesterday's loss, they have still won 18 of their last 24 games. I mean, how about that, huh? Right? And go back to Saturday. Christian Javier, six innings, one run ball. He was very good. Very, very good on the bump. McCormick homered for them. Breggy hit the slam and walked four times. So he is seeing it great right now. Look, this is still, they, they keep improving. That They're 35 and 24 on the season. The interesting thing about them, though, and you mentioned having to turn around and have to go to Toronto, right? They're only 18 and 14 at home. The Astros have been a far better road team than they have been a home team this year. So going to the Blue Jays may not be that big of a deal. And here's the other thing. This team has dealt with a flurry of injuries, a plethora of guys still out and banged up. And yet here they are, and they're still right just behind the Rangers. Yeah, now, you know, if you want to have your biggest concern now at this point with the starting pitching should be, with the number of injuries it has, it should be a concern. It's not because of how great JP and Christian Javier and yep. all those guys have been for you. The bullpen's still been a little bit hit or miss. Uh, Stanek ends up giving up a ton of runs on Saturday. He didn't look good. Yeah, It didn't cost you in that game, but that wasn't good to see. Montero then actually put up a clean inning. He's been the other one that's been really dicey. Um, and then, yeah, yesterday it was, I believe, what Phil Maton gives up the double to Otani. So, you know, a couple of guys that are still underperforming, but Presley's been largely acceptable as as the closer role. He hasn't, you know, he's had a couple of games here and there that have been struggles, but uh, Hector Neris has been outstanding for them. So it's not like it's a uh, massive concern, but we'll see. And again, when it gets time to make a move, this front office will make one if they need to, and I don't have any doubt in that. So yeah, an opportunity to go to Toronto, and we'll see. Always fun to see a couple of guys, former Astro George Springer in action, um, and see how that series shapes oh. up. Springer Dinger in action. So Astros, yes, they dropped the series finale to the Halos, but they still win the series. And once again, have won 18 of 24. So that's a pretty good run. The month of May was very kind to the Astros. What about the track, my friend? 
What can you tell us? Yeah, no, it was an interesting weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series. They went to St. Louis uh, Gateway, which has been a new track to the Cup Series circuit. It's been raced in some of the lower levels, but last year is the first time they went there, and they went back, and uh, it was not the prettiest of races. A lot of caution flags there at the end, and um, I got to catch the last about, I don't know, two-thirds of this one. Um, ended up being a situation where you knew Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson were going to kind of battle it out. They, they had the most consistent runs. Um, with all the cautions, we never got to see a ton of long runs to see if anybody had the long run speed to try to run somebody down uh, in these late goings. Um, but a bunch of restarts there at the very end, and on the very last restart, which was a green-white checkered, Kyle Busch got a great start and really never looked back. Uh, he, was cha- he wasn't really challenged at all in those last couple laps, so he gets his second win. Um, he made the move to go over to RCR. It was kind of, you know, landscape shifting in the in the Cup Series over the offseason, and that, you know, was talked about a lot, and he's backed it up. He's had a great start to the season, and now he's on the board with his second win already, um, starting to look like he's going to be one of the title favorites along Wasn't with the guys. Wasn't he supposed to be kind of washed? Um, you know, I mean, it was a conversation. Right? Look, there's a, uh, there's a very specific kind of curve and trend in NASCAR when you hit a certain age. Correct. But Kyle's not quite at it yet. Um, it's really about when you get to that 40-year-old mark where you start to see some big or, or even a little bit further into your 40s, I should say, when you start to see that decline. Um, I think his last couple of years at Gibbs didn't go well, so there were certainly questions, but it's kind of a situation. Maybe it's kind of similar to the arc of a guy like Tom Brady, who his last year in New England left some questions with people going, does he still have it? And he went to Tampa and reminded everybody who he was. I think Kyle Busch is doing that. Also, of course, you get a little sense of you know added motivation for him, a guy who has been so successful for such a long time. Um, I think this move to RCR has kind of you know and it revitalized him a little bit, and and felt him you know seen him feel that motivation, and he's off to a a great start. It's it's right now Kyle Busch, the Hendrick cars have all been really dominant, and outside of that, kind of waiting for some other guys to 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 show themselves and 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 get back in the mix. So that will be interesting. So. Busy weekend, as we talked about. We've been able to recap it all there for you. NASCAR, PGA Tour, Major League Baseball. We talked NBA Finals earlier, which is now knotted up at one game apiece. We spent the majority of today's show talking about the NCAA Regionals. Once again, LSU will take on Oregon State today. Pre-game begins at 12.30, first pitch at 1 o'clock. But you know what else today is? Before we have to hit the timeout, do you know what else today is, Dawson? Do you have any clue? I don't. It was National Donut Day last week, so what do we have this We missed week? out on that. Yeah, we did. We we dropped the ball on that. I apologize to you. I failed you and the office. Uh, today is the first day of summer camp for my daughter. It's oh. a big day. Big day. Big day in the Parch household because Hattie gets to go back to camp steamology. That's her jam. She loves to go, packs the lunch, and gets to learn about science and math and art all day long there at the Children's Museum in Lafayette. So... Uh, first day of summer camp for the baby girl. So it's a big day in the Parch household. Yeah, no, I, and big so day. I get you clarified there. I was going to say, are we going generalized? There's so many options, right? You can go generalized <laughs> camp with, you know, yes. where you get all your activities and things. Then you can go specialized. So we're going science and engineering here? Yes. Specialty? Yes. Camp, camp steamology. She loves it. She requested. We gave her other options to go to other camps this year. She's still going to do swimming, but... She wanted to go back to Camp Steamology again. We made it happen. First day of camp today. I had to wake up a little bit earlier today, bud. Oh, yeah? Had to make the lunch. Boom, boom. Turkey sandwich, Pringles, fruit snacks. What flavor Pringles? Oh, my daughter loves the sour cream and onion. That's her jam. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the sour cream and there onion. There we go. See? So, first day of camp. So, she's off to learn about science and math and go ahead and be smarter than her father because that is not my jam. Not my jam. Got to take a timeout. 
When we return here, Corey Diaz, our guy from the Daily Advertiser, Raging Cajun Beat Reporter, he's going to come on, talk about the Cajuns. Their season comes to an end, but what a heck of a season it was for Matt Deggs' team as they went back to a regional for the second straight year. We'll talk all about that and more coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Me, oh, my, crawfish pie. We're back. Eat 36 on this glorious Monday morning here on the RP3 in the company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. Joining me inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette, as always, Dawson Iserlow, a.k.a. D-Lo, a.k.a. Two Degrees, a.k.a. The man who loves getting people onto the show easily with no trepidation. <laughs> Once just a reminder, Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. We are efforting Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser to join us to put a bow on the Raging Cajuns season, which came to an end at the Coral Gables Regional yesterday. Hard-fought performance by the Raging Cajuns, Matt Deggs' team. Great season for them as they get back to an NCAA regional as an at-large team. That's the thing about this. They didn't win the conference tournament like they did last year. They had to get in as an at-large team. So hopefully we'll be able to get him on to talk all about that. But we had four teams from the state of Louisiana get in. We had four teams from the state of Louisiana get in. And only one remains. That's it. Only one remains, and that is LSU. And they have an opportunity to go ahead and knock it out starting at 1 o'clock today. Once again, LSU, Oregon State, live from the Baton Rouge Regional. I'll be there in attendance. Where can I hear that if I'm not going to be able to make it over? If you're not able to make it over to the box, as yours truly will, will be doing, and if you just don't want to sit back and read a box score, then you can listen to the game live right here on the game. Pre-game begins at 12.30. First pitch, 1 o'clock. Right here on the game. That's perfect. And if something happens and they lose to Oregon State, they'll play a winner-take-all game for the regional. That game will start roughly around 5 o'clock. Oh, well then when would I listen to that one? Where would I find you, that? Here's the other thing. If you don't want to just read a box score, then you would tune in to the game starting around that time as well and listen to the actual play-by-play of the call right here on the game. You're home for LSU Athletics in Southwest Louisiana. How about that? Well, So there you go. You have options. That's, I mean, options are always great. Um, it's good to have options in life, bud. No, it is. So, well, you know, we're currently still like we mentioned, but we might as well uh, talk about that region a little bit more because I did want to ask your perspective on uh, on something and that's the fact that Texas 
kind of came into this, and we talked about that last week as a team that we thought was going to be the favorite. Actually, we we kind of both, and I, I'll give us a, I'll give us a pat on the back on that, right? We kind of said if if we had to reseed this regional just based on who's in it, I think Texas is the number one team. I think Miami would be two, Louisiana three, and Maine four. As it turns out, you know these things don't always work out the way they're supposed to, but that's the exact finish, right? Texas wins the regional, Miami loses to them in the regional final, the Cajuns come in third, and Maine comes in fourth. Um, not the case all around the country, right, with uh, certainly some other situations that went down and some teams that we didn't expect to be here, uh, i.e. Stillwater. But in Coral Gables, like things were pretty chalky, uh, which was kind of interesting. You and I both were high on Texas because of the pitching that they had. And even with the guys banged up in the bullpen that they weren't going to have for the regional, we still like their opportunities. And and look, and it really solidified for us when we had the when we had a guy on that covers the Miami Hurricanes and he was like I don't know if Miami has enough pitching. Right. It was that they were going to have to outscore Texas. Right. And so Texas is one of those teams, but if you look across the board here, it is so many intriguing super regional matchups that we did not anticipate because we had team after team lose, right? Clemson loses. They're out. Tennessee is going to be a dangerous team. We talked about that before the start of regional play. You know, it's, it's that thing of being the number one team the year before, getting upset, and then the next year is your year that you make the run and possibly win a title. We've seen Oregon State, and I believe Vanderbilt has also done that. Speaking of the Commodores, They've fallen off the last couple of years. Back-to-back years, they've lost in the regional round, which is not like what they do. And so Vanderbilt, they were supposed to easily win the Nashville Regional. That doesn't happen. They're out. Oklahoma State was the regional host. That was the one that you were on early, saying that it was ultra-competitive and that you didn't know if Oklahoma State could win that. They're out. They're gone. I mean, we have one super regional matchup, already placed it's going to be between two teams that were lower seeds and we have a possibility of two more yep or roberts and oregon's going to be an interesting super regional like everybody had back in uh, march right we all circled that <laughs> and said that was going to be it but oh roberts and oregon i no. do have to if no. i'm going to give myself credit for some of the ones i had right i'll go ahead and take uh take some l's as well uncw is who i had winning the conway regional now in some ways, what I said kind of worked out because I said I just didn't trust Coastal and they lost their first game to Ryder, right? But I thought the Seahawks were a team that had an opportunity, and that was not the case. Duke kind of handed it to them. They actually went 0-2 in this regional, losing to Coastal in the elimination game. And Duke will play Coastal today in a yeah. winner-take-all game for the regional championship. Now, what has Coastal done? They've battled back and swung the bats, which is what I said they had to do, right? And that is what they have to do. The dangerous situation also for Coastal is they used Teddy Sharkey yesterday, um, and they stretched him out a little bit. He's their back-end guy. He's their number one out of the back of the bullpen. And he went in to finish out the first Duke game. And again, right, you have to, because if you're Coastal, you, it's win or go home. So you have to use your Correct. best guys. But they burned Sharkey, and I wouldn't expect him to pitch today. So that means there's questions. Now, Coastal's got a couple of guys that can maybe give them some innings at the front end. We'll see who they throw. But if they get to the back end, their best guy's not there. They're going to have to score, I would think, double-digit runs to beat Duke today. That's a, That'll be a prediction for that game. I think Coastal's got to swing the bats a lot. Now, look, Conway's a great place to hit, and uh, I heard that mentioned over the weekend. Like, if there was one ballpark, you know, before you saw how these regionals get in action, I think Stillwater and Conway might have been my two picks for where I wanted to be as a hitter. So they're going to have a chance to score some runs, but I think they have to. And Duke, who wasn't playing very well coming in, Played great in their first game, then was able to win that winner's bracket game over Ryder. 
um, but then fell, so now they're going to have to bounce back, and we'll see who wins that one. But um, the Sunbelt Conference, by the way, we mentioned kind of the SEC roundup at the beginning. Uh, Southern Miss has battled their way out. Auburn went two in barbecue in that regional, so that one's been kind of opened up a little bit, and they'll have to beat Penn today. But It's a winner-take-all game between them and Penn. Yep. Troy, by the way. Penn? Like, they're, they're the Quakers? They are that, the Quakers. Yes. Yep. They've got some nice yes. uniforms, too. I've seen a couple of different sets oh, they've worn throughout the weekend. There we go. Um, Troy, who wins the first game against Boston College in a thriller, 11-10, to 10, comes back and has Alabama beaten. It's a ground ball to shortstop. A one-hopper. Yep. It's a throw-the-ball-to-first-base. Let's celebrate. We're in the winner's bracket. They throw it away. Alabama wins the game 11-8, and then Troy doesn't even recover from that. They kick it around some more against Boston College and lose. You, know, you can go 1-2. and two. So opportunities there for the Trojans, but defense really starts to play a factor, mm-hmm. more so in the it postseason, matters. and that hurt them. Um, and then we just mentioned Coastal, and, of course, we heard about what the Cajuns are doing. So the Sun Belt still has a chance to get two teams through, by the way. So uh, pretty Correct. good Coastal, opportunity for them. Coastal has to play Duke in a winner-take-all game. That'll be at 5 o'clock. In that regional, in Southern Miss, plays a winner-take-all game against Pennsylvania. So those are your two Sun Belt teams that still have a chance. I'm also intrigued. Obviously, I'll be at the box for LSU, Oregon State. I'll be there for both games if need be. And that's intriguing. But Arkansas, you know, we talked about it last week that I felt because of how those teams were playing, in particular TCU. TCU can rake. They had a cat yesterday get 11 RBIs in a single game. A guy who had two home runs on the entire season, he hit three yesterday, and two of those were in the first three innings and ended up hitting three with 11 RBIs. Yeah, that's, uh And they were all the opposite field, by the way. A nice, smooth swing from the right side. Oh. He went to right center for the first, and he kind of went further down the line, and then the last one kind of snuck inside the foul pole. But So for Arkansas to advance... They have to beat TCU now twice today. Yeah, and they have to face Trey Richardson, you know, a bunch more times. That's that's the guy, by the way, who hit the three homers and eleven RBIs. Um, and TCU, oh, what the, what have they done offensively? How about score what thirty two runs in two games, uh, including twenty? Which Arkansas? They got in that weird spot right where it wasn't an elimination game, and you get down like by 10, 12 runs. So you probably try to save some pitching, right? So maybe a little bit of that played into the fact that they gave up twenty runs, but. Um, TCU's not a lineup you want to have to face. And, you know, look, the, the the beautiful part about all this is you have an opportunity if you get an outing from somebody who kind of settles things down. And that's another thing, by the way, and there's only two instances like that where the where there's could be multiple games played today. That's in Baton Rouge and in Fayetteville. Just keep in mind, the teams that are in the winner's bracket, that are in the driver's seat, it's really important to get that first one because the pressure kind of shifts if you lose the first one and have to go to the winner-take-all game. If you're TCU and if you're LSU – you got to put a big emphasis, I think, on getting that first win. Um, now, sometimes it's it's not that case, and sometimes maybe that team that needs to win multiple games burns up everything they've got left, and maybe that's an advantage for you to go to the second game, right? But um, just about pressure and mentality of where you are in a regional, I think it's always a much better scenario, obviously, to win it as soon as you can, but um, not have to all of a sudden line it up with with everything even again. You could also have today, I believe LSU is going to take care of business. Arkansas is going to have an immense challenge. They're the three seed. Florida's in a winner-take-all game against Texas Tech in their own regional. Kentucky's in a winner-take-all game against Indiana, and Texas A&M's in a winner-take-all game against Stanford. We could have a lot of SEC teams win and advance. We could have a lot of SEC teams lose today, too. And I don't think we expected that. Yeah, and I mean, look, when you get 10 in and you have, what, seven of the 10 hosts, you know you're going to win a lot, but you're also going to have some losses in there as well. I think the conference kind of showed you its strength by 
the number of teams that are in regional finals. Um, not that there was any doubt about it anyway, but um, the I also think it shows the quality of the two seeds across the board this year. Yeah, you had a handful of really dangerous two seeds. But then again, yes. like I mentioned, there was a couple of teams that just the way it works out, somebody's got to be a four seed, right? But Oral Roberts, that's just, I keep going back to that it. That man is on I've the Oral it. Roberts train. You are the conductor of the well, Oral Roberts no, train. No, it's just when you go 46-11 and 11 in the regular season, you don't expect to be a four seed in the regional. And no matter what conference you do it in, and they showed us why, that like how good they really were. They had pitching. And by the way, Oral Roberts won a couple of games with pitching, and then they won a they're couple v- of games. They're, they're, they've had a very good game. season, not taking anything away from it. But you're very excited about them. How about give some love to Indiana State? The Sycamores, they're into the Super Regionals. Well, hey, hey they're a small school, small conference. Oh, big Spread time. the wealth. Big time. By the way, I, they have a uh, graveyard in left center field, which I uh, I joke that's where their opponent's dreams go to die, is in left center field at the ballpark. But, no, Indiana State, yes, hey, and, and yes, on the other do. end of Oral Roberts, right, like a team that had a great year but did get recognized for it, had the RPI to Correct. back it up. Um, but we had our doubts about. We thought, look, Iowa's a pretty solid team in the Big Ten, and North Carolina's a team that maybe didn't have their best year, but is certainly always a factor in the ACC. Um, and Indiana State went down early. By the way, they had to absolutely battle in their first game of the tournament to Wright State. I, I didn't know they were going to get past it. They come back. They win it late. They win the winner's bracket game. They don't even go to the winner-take-all game. So Indiana State says, not only do we think we're deserving of a regional host, and we're going to show you that, uh, we're not even going to take seven games to do it. We're going to go ahead and get it done early. And now, by the way, they're matched up with a situation where they could potentially host a super regional. Crazy if it goes the other way in that uh, you know that three seed. Absolutely regional. crazy. Love this time of year. Absolutely love this time of year. We got to take a timeout. We'll try to get Corey Diaz on maybe tomorrow and see if he can recap what the Cajuns did and put a bow on their season. Obviously, something occurred. We'll try to get him back on later this week. We got to take a timeout. When we return, final results of the poll question of the day, and we'll get you set up with. For footnotes with guest host Dawson Iserlo. D-Lo going to host again. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, just a reminder, we didn't even have a chance to get to it today because it's been jam-packed because we've been talking mainly about the NCAA regionals is softball is down to the semifinals. Sure does still look to me Oklahoma-Florida State on a collision course to play for the national championship, but semifinals are today. Oklahoma is taking on Stanford. They'll play at 11 o'clock. If Stanford somehow wins that game, they'll play again at 1.30. The other semifinal matchup is Florida State, who's yet to lose as well. They'll take on Tennessee. If Tennessee can win that game, they'll force another semifinal game tonight at 8.30. So that's your final four for college softball. 
want to take a moment to thank our guest, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio for joining us. We'll reschedule Corey Diaz for later in the week. Poll question of the day. Will LSU win the Baton Rouge Regional today? 84% of you say yes. 16% say no. Absolutely, I agree with that. That I think LSU gets it done. I think LSU gets it done in the first game. And whether it's Coleman or they throw Cooper or Ockenhausen or whatever they do, if they go with a pitcher by committee, doesn't I don't know what Jay's going to do because he's not going to tell us until about an hour before first pitch, and rightfully so because he wants to keep that close to the vest because that's a strategy. I would I would also quickly add in there's a couple of different ways to think about LSU offensively. Um, one would be you could you could say maybe oh they're struggling compared to what they did throughout points of the regular season. I guess you could say that. I think the other thing is they're kind of due to break out in a big way, right? Seven runs against mm. Tulane, they swung it okay. Um, six runs against Oregon State, but we also mentioned how many more opportunities they had. Teams that are as good as they are and as deep as they are offensively don't typically struggle like that three games in a row. And again, we're saying struggle, and they still scored six, seven runs. It's not you know bad offensive output. I think they score 11 or 12 um, at least once today. And you know, like you said, if it's in the first game, then maybe they don't have to stress as much. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Footnotes with guest host D'Lo Dawson Isolo is up next right here on The Game.